When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to the premiere episode of season four of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. To celebrate the start of our fourth season, we're bringing you two shows today instead of the usual one that we do on Mondays. The Life of Riley was a hilarious sitcom that ran from January 16, 1944 to June 29, 1951, first on the Blue Network and then on NBC Radio. William Bendix played Chester A. Riley, a wing riveter at the fictional Cunningham Aircraft Plant in California. Bendix had made his career in the 1940s as an actor in numerous Hollywood films, such as The Glass Key, Brooklyn Orchid, and Hostages, to name a few. This led to his role in The Life of Riley on radio, which had originally been auditioned by Groucho Marx, who was rejected by the show's sponsor. When the show moved to television in 1949, Bendix was not able to play the role due to a film contract, and the part of Riley went to Jackie Gleason instead. The TV show was not nearly as successful as the radio program, which also featured Paula Winslow as Riley's wife Peg, Hans Conried as Uncle Baxter, Alan Reed in multiple roles, John Brown as Digby Digger O'Dell, multiple actors as his son Junior, and Barbara Eiler as his daughter Babs. Now sit back and enjoy the November 5th, 1944 and the October 26th, 1946 broadcasts of The Life of Riley. Here he is, folks. You first saw him on the screen as a Brooklyn Marine in Wake Island. Soon, he'll hand you a wallop as the first mate in two years before the match. He's Hollywood's magnificent mug. Go on, call me names. But remember what Shakespeare said. He who steals my purse steals cash, but he who steals my brain steals trash. <laughs> no, that don't sound right. <laughs> the American Meat Institute presents William Bendix in The Life of Riley. The meat people of America, providing a great food for a great nation. If all the farmers, ranchers, and livestock men who raise meat animals were counted off by army figures, you'd have 334 divisions of 15,000 men each, because there are around 5 million stock raisers in this country. And isn't the work they're doing pretty much of a fighting job, America, for a nation at war? And now, on behalf of all those engaged in supplying meat to the nation, the American Meat Institute presents The Life of Riley. The lunch hour whistle has just blown at the Los Angeles aircraft plant where Riley works, thus affording Riley the opportunity of indulging in two of his favorite pastimes, eating and talking. 
We find him now doing just that in the company of his two co-workers, Jim Gillis and Echo Wallaby. Yes, sir, Riley, I'm a lucky father. That's what Gillis is, a lucky father. I'm a lucky father, too. Pass the salt, Riley. I... Yes, sir. Father don't get no greater pleasure than to have a talented son. Yeah, a son with talent. I got a talented son. Pass the pepper, right? Uh... Now, you take my boy, Eggway. When that kid sits down at the piano to play, might it. Well, now, you take my boy, Junior. He can take a baseball and throw you it. You should have heard Eggbite last night. The way he knocked off that Moonlight Sonata, might it. Might it. Well, my boy, Junior, can take a ball seat and throw Believe it. Believe me, Echo, and... I'm not bragging. <laughs> but my boy sat on that piano stool just like Josie I. Toby. Yeah, Josie I. Toby. Well, my boy Junior can take a ball and throw it. Do me a favor, Riley. Take that ball and throw it already. Yeah, throw it already. Believe me, I know how to bring up my boy, Riley. When he's invited out to a party, one thing he ain't gonna be, he ain't gonna be no wallflower. He sits down and knocks off a couple of sympathies. But what did your Junior do? <laughs> what did your Junior do? Start pitching caves in the parlor? Of course, if you don't want to take no interest in the boy... Now, 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 wait a minute, Gillis. Who says I don't take an interest in my boy? Don't I feed him? Don't I dress him? Ain't I always correct on his grammar? <laughs> <laughs> well, that ain't enough. Uh, the law says you got to do that. That's what the law says. It's the duty of a father to try to give his kid a little culture. Otherwise, you're letting the boy down. Riley, you're wrecking his life. Listen, Echo, it's bad enough you repeat everything Gillis says, but don't improve on it. <laughs> but, gee, Gillis, I, I never looked at it like that. I wouldn't want to let my boy down while I'm bringing him up. <laughs> well, then teach Junior music, like I did Eggboy. Why, he's only been studying six months. And next Thursday, he's auditioning for a scholarship at the Springle School of Music, Pico Boulevard Branch. <laughs> a scholarship? Does Egbert play that good? Sure. But this scholarship ain't for how good you play. It's how much promise the kid shows. Music appreciation. Gillis, there's something in what you say. You know what? I'm renting a piano on my way home from work. And when my boy Junior goes out to a party, believe me, he ain't gonna be no wallpaper. <laughs> Remember I told you if you were a good boy and did your homework and helped your mother and didn't fight with your sister, I'd get you something nice? Well, I did. Oh, boy, Pop. What is it? A football? No. Uh, it's something bigger. Something you always wanted. Give me a hand. Well, it's about this high and it's got pedals. Oh, boy, a bicycle. No, no, but you're getting warm. Oh, come on, Pop. Tell me. Okay, come on. I'll show it to you. You're going to love this. There it is. A piano? Yes, sir. Junior, you're going to take piano lessons. But, Pop, you just said I was a good boy. <laughs> you're growing up, Junior. you got to think of the future. I want you to be talented like other boys, like, like Egbert Gillis, so I can be proud of you. But, Pop... Oh, 
boy, I wish I had a chance like this when I was a kid. The nearest I ever got to a piano was when I helped my father move once. Can't you see, Sonny? I'm trying to give you a little culture. Oh, I don't want culture, Pop. I want to be like you. <laughs> um, anyway, what good is music? What good is music? Well, Junior, music makes everybody happy. The, the one who plays it, the one that listens to it. Someday you'll be sitting at that piano playing the Moonlight Sinatra. <laughs> Oh, Junior, this is going to make your mother and me very happy. Oh, okay, Pop. I'll huh? take lessons. Yes. But I'll start next week. Well, why can't you start right away? Well, because uh, I'm busy all this week. I got something important to do. What? Well, uh, uh... I knew it. You're just stalling. Listen, Junior, up to now I've been talking to you man to man. But now I see I'll have to reason with you. <laughs> I paid Professor Manetti 30 bucks in advance to give you lessons. He'll be here at 7 o'clock to give you your first lesson. And you'll be here. But, Papa, I can't. That's no use talking. You might as well learn the truth of an old saying. You can't put off until tomorrow what your father makes you do today. <laughs> I gotta go, Mr. Riley. You boy, Junior, he's a stealer no here. Already I'm away for 30 minutes, and if you wait the 30 minutes, that's an hour, all shot. Well, I don't know why he ain't here, Professor Manetti. I, I told him about the lesson. Maybe he'll be here soon. Couldn't you wait? No, just no, to... no. I got a schedule. I can't wait for too long. It's too bad. I'm so sorry you got a loser the money for this first lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I can see you're sorry. I wouldn't like to lose that money. But look, look, Professor, is, is the first lesson hard? No, it's a so easy any dope could learn. Okay, then you teach it to me. <laughs> and then I'll teach it to Junior, and that way he can start off next week with lesson two without losing no time. Huh? Oh, I see. You're going to be the middle man, huh? <laughs> see, I'm a teacher. All right. Let us commence from the commencement. Right. First, the test. What do you know about the piano? Well, this here is called the stool, and to make it higher, you turn it to the right or left. I'm a That's the answer to my question. You don't know nothing. Well, I wouldn't say that. I, I play the harmonica, and I guess it's the same principle as the piano, only your piano is too heavy to pick up and put in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Jim. What I gotta go through to make a little spaghetti. <laughs> go ahead, the pigeon, and sit on a stool. Okay. <laughs> now listen and no talk. Now, I'm gonna play notes and tell you the name. Uh-huh. C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. You catch? Well, sure, but I got a good memory. You can go all the way up to Z, <laughs> Mr. Riley, there's a no Z in the PM. Why? There's a no Y either. Oh. And there's a no O. Please let me teach. I mean, please let me teach. Well, all right. Listen. C, a D, E, F, a G, A, B, C, 
Don't get excited. I'll get it on my way back. But, Papa, I can't learn to play the piano. It's too hard. Oh, every instrument is hard to the beginning, Junior. When I first started on the rivet machine, I was all thumbs. Now, now, I'll show you how to do the scale and then you try, huh? You've got it all wrong. It, it, it goes like this. It's no use, Pop. I'll never be able to play. Don't talk like that, Junior. Remember, O'Reilly never says die until he's been dead six months. <laughs> After five days of arguing. Well, sure. I, I found out that when I watched him, it made him subconscious. So now I'm leaving him alone. You see, Peg, you've got to know how to handle a boy. Let's get in the kitchen. Edward Gillis. Here I am, Junior. Shh. I'm in the window. What's up, Junior? Why'd you want me to come over? Listen, Egbert. You want to play on my football team, don't you? piano and practice scales for me. I got something very important to do. What, Junior? Never mind what. I'll be back in an hour. But your father... You I can... made him promise not to come in. Then I got the door locked. You'll think it's me if you don't practice too good. Start playing. I'll be back soon. Okay, Junior. But don't leave me here too long. Listen to them scales. And he only had one lesson, which I gave him. Oh. <laughs> I can hardly believe my ears. Let's go and take a peek at it. No, 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 no. It spoils the mood. Listen to that boy play. And he's only using two hands. Junior, can I stop playing now? Yeah, that's enough. <sighs> Did my father... No, Mom came in. That's well. Junior. Oh, my pop, quick. Beat it out the window. Okay, Junior. Junior, could we please come in? I'll unlock the door, Pop. 
Junior, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Oh, Pop, don't kiss me. Oh. Oh. Excuse me. I guess I'm a little excited, Junior. Have a cigar. I, 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 I. I mean, here's a nickel, Junior. Junior, uh, it's wonderful. Play some more for us. Yeah, yeah, go on, Junior. We didn't hear so good in the kitchen here. Well, uh, you see, my my wrists are a little tired. Oh, well, well, then don't you play another note. I, I'd have watched your hands to get a Charlie horse. <laughs> oh, I think I'll go get a sandwich. Oh, sure, anything you want. Get, get two sandwiches. Uh, Junior, Junior. Yes, Pop? Oh, be careful, don't get your fingers caught in the icebox. Oh, <laughs> uh, Oh, he's a swell kid. And you said I wouldn't get him to practice. Why, a few lessons more to... Peg. Peg, I just got a brain wave. What, dear? They're giving a scholarship contest at Miss Pringle's music school tomorrow. Well, I'm going to enter junior. I'll show that wise guy Jim Gillis the kind of a boy I got. <laughs> but junior's only had one lesson. Yeah, but that ain't the point. It's how much promise he showed. Listen. You won't even tell Junior that he's in the contest until I actually get him down to the music school. Then what a surprise somebody's going to get. <laughs> well, maybe it will be Riley instead of Junior who gets the surprise when he hears Junior play in the piano contest. Until we find out in a minute... This is Ken Niles with an honest answer to a pressing question. What meat will I serve for dinner tomorrow night? Or any night? Well, let me submit something I personally can take with a smile any night in the week. Stew. Meat stew. Stew based on beef, veal, mutton, or leftover pork. Stew with vegetables. Stew with dumplings. Irish stew and mulligan stew. Stew that bubbles and sings on the stove and makes a man sing at the table. You know, the two beauties of stew are, one, no matter how scarce a steak or roast, your meat man usually has beef for stewing. Two, you can make a stew with ease, with whatever vegetables, new or leftover, you happen to have handy. Just start your stew early enough in the afternoon so it has plenty of time to rise to the heights of tenderness and warm, friendly flavor. Steaming as you take it from the kettle, bright, cheerful, ah, but wait, all in favor of stew, boys? And remember, the meat of stew furnishes those same high-quality proteins that make meat a yardstick of protein food. Why? Because meat measures up to every protein need. And now back to The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Well, without telling Junior about it, Riley has entered his boy in a piano scholarship contest on the strength of hearing him practice scales after only one lesson. Actually, it was Egbert Gillis, Junior's friend, who did the practicing by secret arrangement with Junior. And Riley is blissfully unaware that Junior doesn't know one note from another. At the moment, Riley is luring Junior to the music school, and Junior is very suspicious. But, Pop, why are we going into this music school? You said you were taking me to a dentist. Oh, well, yeah, I said I was taking you to a dentist so you wouldn't get nervous. <laughs> but, Pop... Now, now, don't you worry, sonny. Now, this ain't going to hurt a bit. Come on in. Oh, there's Jim Gillis. 
Hey, Gillis. No noise writing. Oh. That's Eggway playing well, every scholarship. No. Ah, he's finished. Did you ever hear playing like that, huh? Well, passable, slightly passable. Well, that's fine, Egbert. I knew you'd make it. Congratulations, Egbert. Congratulations, Gillis. But uh, you ain't the only one who's got a talented offspring springing off him. <laughs> right here, you starting with that baseball again. <laughs> no, I'm talking about piano player. Egbert ain't the only one that can win scholarships. I meant it in junior. Me, Me? Well, sure, Junior. My boy's only had one lesson, but I bet you even your Egbert can't play scales like he does. No, no, Pop, listen. Gillis, if I were the bragging type, I'd probably say that with a few more lessons, Junior will make Egbert look like a bush leaguer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pop, please listen. I can't play a note. Junior, you just go in there and play them scales the way you did at home. What? But, Pop, it wasn't me you heard. It, it was Egbert. And remember, I'm rooting for you, Junior. Egbert. <laughs> Egbert, is this true? Well, I didn't mean any harm, Papa. Junior made me play for him. Shut I, up, I Egbert. <laughs> well, don't take it so hard, Riley. After all, Junior can always play baseball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on, Junior. Pop. Pop. Pop, why don't you say something? There's nothing to say, Junior. I just made a mistake, so. Gee, I didn't think. I'm sorry. I guess maybe Jim Gillis is a better father than I am, so. Why his son plays square with him. Pop, I didn't mean to let you down. Honest, I didn't. I wanted to take lessons. I wanted to practice, but this week I had something important I had to do. Oh, you're starting that over again, huh? Well, it's true, Pop. Why, what'd you have to do? Well, you see, I can't tell you, Pop. You wouldn't understand. Well, I guess I wouldn't. I was fool enough to think that someday I'd walk into the lobby at Carnegie Hall and see a bust of your fingers. Well, I'm sorry, Pop. Junior, I'm still your father. Nothing can change that. <laughs> but from now on, our relationship will be strictly business. I ain't giving you an allowance no more. You can get it from your mother. <laughs> okay, Pop. I'll give it to her. <laughs> if you don't mind, I'd... I'd rather walk home alone. Okay, Pop. I'll go. Uh, uh Junior, please. Careful how you cross the street.
everything. What happened, Riley? You don't look very well. Don't let that fool you. I feel terrible. <laughs> Where's Junior? Something go wrong at the music school? Peg, it was awful. A complete Nabisco. Fiasco, <laughs> dear. Junior disgraced it. Peg, remember that night that Junior played so nice on the piano? Yes. Well, the reason he played so nice was he wasn't playing. But uh, I heard him. Well, he, he framed Jim Phyllis' kid to play for him. He cheated us, Peg. Well, if Junior told us a lie, a fib, he must have had a good reason. Yeah, just like you, Duncan. You always look at the bright side. Especially when it's shady. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Riley. Uh, this is Gillis. Oh, uh, that Gillis probably wants to crow some more about that goon he's racing. I'll get rid of him. Hello, Gillis. Look, I, I can't talk to you now. I'm, I'm sitting in a bathtub. <laughs> oh, in the bathtub, huh? I happen to know your telephone is in the living room. I, I, I mean... Listen, Riley, in case you're still mad at that junior of yours... I've got a little dope. Yeah, but at least your dope can play piano. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I know why your boy done what he done. Why he got my kid to sit in for him and practice. Yeah? Why, Gillis? Well, Eggbite says your junior's been waking in the post office during the rush hour every afternoon to get some extra dough. Well, what for? Don't I give him 40 cents a week? <laughs> Yeah, but Junior had to raise $3 by yesterday so he could buy a stylish birthday present for some little dame he's in love with. My boy Junior says Junior's crazy about this guy. Oh. Hey, there's a girl in Junior's life. Oh, really? (laughs) Peg, I don't see what's funny about that. Well, uh, thanks, Gillis. I figured it's my duty as a friend to keep you as posted on what your kid's doing. Naturally, with my kid, I got no problems. I bring him up to respect me Goodbye, and to Gillis. listen to what... Peg, let's face it. I'm a failure as a father. We got a boy who'd rather hang around with a girl than practice the piano. <laughs> a black sheep, huh, Riley? <laughs> Thirteen years old and all he thinks about is girls. Riley, do you remember when you were 13? Yeah. Did you ever think about girls? Did you say 12 or 13? <laughs> well, anyway, it, it ain't exactly as having a crush on a girl. It's, it's playing tricks in back of my back. Riley, uh, Junior's coming up the walk now. Uh, you have a nice talk with no, him. I'm all done talking to him. This time I'm letting him do the talking. But... He don't know I know the truth, so when he's all through with some new fairy story, then I'm going to really let him have it. Here he is. Now, don't oh, lose your temper. All right. Hello, Junior. Uh, your father wants to talk to you. Yeah? Hello, Pop. Good evening, Chester. <laughs> Pop, uh, I've been thinking it over... I think I ought to tell you why I played such a dirty trick. Mm-hmm. No doubt you had some very good reason, no doubt. Well, 
No, sir. Well, what was the reason? Was it? Well, this girl, she's a girl a lot of guys like, and I did too. And yesterday was her birthday. So I figured I'd make a hit with her if I gave her something big, like a big box of chocolate. It was five pounds and cost three bucks. I've been skipping practice to raise the money. Junior, let me give you some advice about girls of the opposite sex. <laughs> Junior, you can't buy love. When I was caught in your mother, did I have to give her candy or perfume or expensive jewelry? No, I just gave her me. That was enough. <laughs> You're right, Pop. When I gave her the candy, she took it and went off driving with Skinny Hooper. The last I saw him, she was stuffing my chocolates in his mouth. I'll cheer up, Junior. Maybe they were stale. It'll never happen again, Pop. I'm through with women. Well, don't make no definite decisions on that. Thing. They may not be through with you. <laughs> but um, anyway, Junior, I'm proud of you for meddling with you. Well, that's okay, Pop. And listen, Pop, yeah. I'm going to practice piano every day now, starting today. a boy. And you know something, Junior? If you practice hard, one of these days you're going to play just as good as that great Irish pianist, Paddy Ruski. <laughs> the Rileys will be back in just a moment. If you've ever had breakfast on the farm, you'd likely remember a big platter of crisp fried salt pork and a big bowl of rich cream gravy flecked here and there with crisp brown bits from the frying pan. Well, how about it, folks? You know, these good breakfast meats like salt pork and pork sausage, ham and bacon are more than good eating. They're a good start toward doing the day's job because they're so full of food energy. And like all meat, the lean bits are rich in proteins. Proteins of high quality, the right kind of proteins to build and maintain body tissues. Yes, meat is a yardstick of protein foods because meat measures up to every protein need. And please remember, the nutritional statements just made about meat are accepted by the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association. Yeah, Dumplin'. Come on in, sit down. Me and Junior here, we're, 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 we're gonna play a duet on the piano. Me on this here harmonica and Junior on the piano. Uh, uh, are you ready, Junior? Okay, Pop. Alright. Home sweet home. Let her go. Riley gets in another hilarious problem when he tries to help Junior with his algebra homework and practically wrecks the school system. So follow The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix, sponsored by the American Meat Institute, next week at this very same time. William Bendix appears by arrangement with Hal Roach. The Life of Riley was directed by Don Bernard with music by Lou Kozloff and came to you from Hollywood. 
This is Ken Dial saying, see you next week. This is the Blue Network. On the whole, Chester A. Riley is a happy man. He's a good wife, two fine children, a pleasant little home, and a job. But there's a fly in the ointment, a human fly by the name of Gus Hawkins, the foreman at the plant where Riley's employed. For instance, last Monday... Riley! Riley! Uh, yes, boss, yes, Mr. Hawkins. Ain't you through with that drill press yet? Hurry it up. Uh, yes, sir. And when you're through, I want you to fix that cutting machine and then clean the machine shop and then... Now, wait the... a minute, Hawkins. What am I, a horse? Oh. So you don't like this job, eh? Oh, no, no, no. Believe me, I'm a very happy horse. <laughs> Then on Tuesday... Riley! Uh, yes, boss, yes, Mr. Hawkins. Look what you did to this machine. Why, you haven't got the brains of a three-year-old. I have so. And then on Wednesday... Hey, Riley, quick, here comes the foreman. Hide my cigar. But kill us, wait, don't give me that cigar. What'll I do with it? I... Riley! Uh, uh, yes, boss, yes, Mr. Hawkins. Smoking on the job again, eh? Uh, no, no, I wasn't smoking. Don't lay. Hey, so you hide that cigar. No, I didn't hide no cigar. You didn't, eh? Then why are your pants on fire? And now it's Thursday morning, and we find Riley at the breakfast table pouring out his troubles to the family. Nag, nag, nag. That's all that Hawkins does. Always picking on me. Daddy, why don't you tell this Mr. Hawkins off? I did tell him. Hawkins, I said, you can't treat me like this. I'm a human being. And he said, prove it. He had me there. After all, I can't carry my birth certificate to work. Well, why don't you just bust him in the nose, Pop? Junior, a gentleman don't bust another gentleman in the nose. Especially when the other gentleman happens to be the heavyweight champion of the riveting department. And your father's right, Junior. In a case like this, it's always best to use diplomacy. That's right. And where I come from, diplomacy means only one thing. Wait for a dark night with a rock in each hand. No, you don't mean that. Well, no, I don't. But I gotta do something about that foreman. He's the one who's holding me back at the plant. For five years, I've been butting my head up against a stone wall. And I ain't even made a dent in it. Well, why don't you try being pleasant to Hawkins for a change? Then maybe he'll be nice to you. Well, gee, I never thought of that. Well, try it once. Can't do any harm. Well, yeah, well, what'll I say? Well, you know what to say. Good morning, Mr. Hawkins. Isn't it a lovely day? Yeah, lovely day. Tell him you want to get ahead in the plant. Ahead in the plant? And you don't see the point in not being friends. So why not bury the hatchet? Bury the hatchet. That's it. The minute I get to the plant, I'm going to stop being myself and start being pleasant. That's the plan, Gillis. You know, personally, Riley, I don't think your wife's idea is but very... there's no harm in trying. I... Shh. Here comes the foreman. Oh, uh, Riley... Uh, good morning, Mr. Hawkins. And it'll every day. Speaking as a friend, I'd love to bury the hatchet in your pointy head. <laughs> what? Oh, no, I... Excuse me. I, I meant to say... I heard uh... you. And I'm glad you spoke your mind. And I was going to promote you to the machine shaft. Well, from now on, you'll rot in the riveting department. But, but, Mr. Hawkins, wait, I didn't mean I... Oh, gosh, Gillis, now I've done it. Yeah, well, look on the bright side. So he ain't going to promote you. At least he's going to let you rot. 
I was only trying to be friends. Oh, friendship. It can only lead to trouble. Look at me and my wife. We was friends once. Then we got married. <laughs> now I'll never get anywhere. Not with that Hawkins around. Of course you won't. Riley, my friend, in this land of equal opportunity, there's only one way to get ahead. Marry the boss's daughter. But I always believed a man should marry for love. Well, you can love money, can't you? <laughs> oh, lunch. Come on, Riley. Let's eat over behind the tool shed where the wind can't blow the cards out of our hands. <laughs> hey, look, Gillis. Look what's here on the bulletin board. Well, this is no time to read. It's our lunch hour. Read on the company's time. Now, wait a minute. This is interesting. For some time, this company has been planning to establish its own rubber research station in Santo Maringo in the interior of South America. Wanted immediately... An employee with a sense of daring and adventure and the ability to undergo a few minor hardships for six months to supervise construction of a landing field. Applied to C.J. Stevenson, president. Oh, for the love of Mike. Are they starting that stuff again? For years, they've been sending guys down into that jungle. They have? Sure. Stevenson don't like to talk about it. Nobody ever comes back. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. You're the... Okay, so a couple of guys come back. There was one guy who was in that jungle all by himself for six whole months. Then he come home. Yeah, well, well, how was it? What did he say? They never found out. He forgot how to talk. <laughs> oh, I don't believe Oh, it's murder down there in that jungle. That burning sun beating down on you day after day. The sweat pouring off you by the gallon. You know what that does to the human body? I guess you lose a little weight. Little? Say, do you know Fatso McGillicuddy? No. Well, Fatso was a guy who weighed 250 pounds. He volunteered. Six months later, Fatso comes back. See, that's him over there by the water cooler. Hi, Skinny! Are you killing Holy smoke. There's nothing left of him. <laughs> oh, that can't be. What are you trying to hand me? I've been around here five years. I never heard anything like that. Oh, you never heard. Stevenson's keeping it quiet. But I got my ear to the ground, and I pick up plenty of faith. <laughs> That jungle must be awful with them monsoons and tearing tortillas. Yeah, and all night long, the natives beating on that drum. Boom, 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 boom. Can you imagine a thousand Jean Coopers? Gee, I wouldn't wish that job on my worst enemy if I... Oh, uh, yes. What's the matter, Randy? Quiet, I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking, too. Gillis, are you thinking what I'm thinking? If you're thinking what I'm thinking. I only hope the foreman ain't thinking we're thinking what we're thinking. <laughs> Gillis, let me a pencil. Now, remember, Riley, you got to be clever about this. Leave that for me. Well, here's a pencil. I already wetted the point. Let's see. <laughs> Dear Mr. Stevenson, as a loyal employee, I wish to state that my beloved foreman, Gus Hawkins, wishes to volunteer for the South American job. But he is too bashful to speak up. As his friend, I am speaking up for him. And I hope you take advantage of this tip. Believe me, if anybody deserves this, he does. Yours with love, Chester A. Rank. <laughs> <laughs> You sent for me, Mr. Stevenson? Riley, I want to thank you for that note you sent about Hawkins. He's going, Mr. Stevenson? He's going? Oh, yes, he's going. Oh, but you were right about it. I have never seen anybody so bashful. Kept trying to change the subject. 
<laughs> I practically had to order him to go. Uh, that's fine, as long as he's going. <laughs> Good old Hawkins. Little does he know what I've done for him. Oh, he knows all that. <laughs> I showed him your note, and he rushed right out looking for you. <laughs> hey, hey, Ted, uh, how soon is he leaving? Well, there's still a few things I have to talk over with him. Listen, he's the man for the job. You won't regret it. After all, what kind of a man do you need for this job? A guy with plenty of muscle and no brain. That's true. A guy without imagination. Mm-hmm. The kind of a guy, if he went away from the plant for six months, you wouldn't even know he was gone. Riley, I've just had another thought. So I'm going to South America. Riley, what are you saying? Oh, Pop, you're kidding. Stop joking, Dad. It's no joke. I'm sailing Saturday. I don't want to go, but I got it. Oh, this is ridiculous. Mr. Stevenson may be the boss, but he can't order you to South America. He didn't order me. I volunteered. You offered to go? Well, it was his idea, and he talked me into it. <laughs> you know me, I ain't got a mind of my own, so I use anybody's. But, but what about us, Riley? We'll be gone for six months. Oh, we'll miss you awfully, Daddy, dear. Especially Sundays. Who'll sit at the head of the table and carve the roast? Yes. Who will I turn to if things go wrong? Who'll put out the garbage? Thanks, son Riley, you just can't go But I can't back out now Why do they have to pick on you, Daddy? Well, Pop, you always said you were a key man You said they couldn't build a single plane without you And they can't They'll find that out Wait till they start inspecting them planes And they find out a certain nut is missing They'll start yelling for me If you're so indispensable, then put your foot down. You tell Stevenson you're not going. I can't, Peg. I just can't. Look on the bright side. It's only six months. It's my big opportunity. It may mean promotion. I'll be able to do things for you and the kids. Babs can go to college. Faster. And when Junior gets out of high school, he'll join her there. Oh, Daddy, we don't care about that. We'd rather have you with us. That's right, Pop. We want you. Oh, why am I so lovable? So you march right back to Mr. Stevenson and tell him you absolutely refuse to go. Hey, are you ordering me to go to Stevenson? No, you're volunteering. So that's the situation, Mr. Stevenson. I can't go. You can't go? Nonsense. No, no, I really can't. Well, I've made all the arrangements. I've booked your passage. I... Oh, 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 I'm disappointed in you, Riley. I thought you had loyalty to the firm. Well, you know I'm loyal. Every time I quit here to work somewhere else and they fired me, didn't I always come back here? <laughs> you call it loyalty to volunteer for a job and then withdraw. Oh, I know, but a joke. Oh, that's it. You're afraid. Has somebody been filling your head with a lot of stories about the burning sun and the giant mosquitoes and the hostile natives? No, no. Why should I be afraid of the burning sun or giant mosquitoes or hostile natives? After all, for the last five summers, ain't I been going to Ocean Park? Fine, then. It's all settled. But, but boss... You'll I... feel differently once you get underway. Believe me, boss, if it was up to me, I'd go in a flash. But my wife and kids, they just won't hear it. Oh, the family. Is that all? <laughs> Let me have a little talk with them tonight. 
Well, okay, boss, but it won't do any good. They won't hear my going. It's breaking their hearts. You see, I ain't like other fathers. They treat me just like one of the family. What's the matter, Mom? You look worried. Children, I've been thinking... Maybe we haven't been fair to your father about this job in South America. Why, what do you mean, Mother? Well, I mean the way we've been objecting to his going. Well, gosh, Mom, you want Pop to go? Oh, no, of course not. Why, we'll miss him terrible. But, well, this may be the big opportunity he's been waiting for. That's true. It's the first time the company's taken any interest in Daddy. And I don't think it's fair to stand in his way. And he seems to set on it. So if he brings the subject up again, let's all pretend we're glad he's going. I think you're right, Mother. Now, you understand, Junior? We both let on how we really feel. Okay, Mom. Gosh, it's, it's funny to think of Pop going to South America. Well, I have to teach him some Spanish. Can you imagine Pop speaking Spanish with a Brooklyn accent? <laughs> <laughs> I bet if Daddy goes to a bullfight down there, he'll get moid of the bum. <laughs> <laughs> You just let me talk to them, Riley. Well, okay, boss, but it's no use. They won't let me go. Why, right now, they're in there crying their eyes out. <laughs> Did you say they were crying? Well, right, they're hysterical. You, you just come in and ask them. Oh, Riley, I didn't hear you. Oh, hello, Mr. Stevenson. Good evening, Mrs. Riley. Oh, Good evening, Mr. Stevenson. Peg, I want you to tell Mr. Stevenson how you feel about me going to South America. Well... Well, now, come on, Dufflin, the truth now. I insist. Well, I think it's the most wonderful opportunity. You hear that, boy? She thinks it's the most wonderful... <laughs> hey, what, what are you saying? Now, don't you worry about the children and I. We won't... Wait care. a minute, Peg. Let the children speak for themselves. Bess, what are you saying? Oh, Daddy, it's the chance of a lifetime. Bess, what are you saying? <laughs> you see, Randy, and you will worry. Now, I'll have your Wait a minute, Mr. Stevenson. Junior's a member of this family, too. He's got a right to speak. Junior, please, what do you say? South America, take him away. Well, Riley tried to get rid of his knocking foreman by maneuvering him into a six-month job in the jungle. Misery. But for Riley's sake, the family is pretending they're glad he's going. Right now, Peg and the children are packing... Here's Pop's shirts, Mom. And here's his socks and the Spanish dictionary. Good. Now hurry up and clear out the rest of the drawer. Uh, fine thing. Hurry up, she says. My family can't wait to get rid of me. Oh, no, Pop. Daddy, what a thing to say. Don't be silly, dear. But after all, you're sailing tonight. That's no excuse. You just can't wait to see me go. Oh, that's nonsense. No, it ain't. You even told Stevenson. Why did you do it? But, but Riley... Don't you want to go to South America? Who wants to go and live in a jungle? Don't you know there's headhunters down there? And they ain't particular what kind of head it is. <laughs> Riley, we thought... You said this was your big opportunity. Why, that's why I fibbed to Mr. Stevenson. We only pretended. You said you wanted to go, so I decided to let you have your own way. My own way. After 17 years of marriage, you picked a fine time to stop. <laughs> Now I'm trapped. Why didn't you speak up before, Daddy? Oh, well, let's unpack, children. No, 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 don't unpack. I gotta go through with this. But why? Just tell your boss that you can't. I can't. 
I backed out once already. He'll get sore and my old job's filled. I'll get fired. Let him fire you, Daddy. But I'm getting seventy-seven fifty a week. Well, so what? You can get another job, Pop. Well, I'll pay you what you were. No, we couldn't live on that. <laughs> Go on, Roddy. Now phone Mr. Stevenson. No, I can't. It, it ain't only the job. It's the boys at the plant. They gave me a farewell shower. <laughs> speeches and a go-away present. If I back out now, they'll think I'm a coward. So far, I'm the only one that knows it. But, Riley... It's no use, Peg. My head's made up. I'll just have to go to South America. Oh, I wish I knew the right thing to do. It's no use. I wouldn't do it. I gotta go down to the Santo Marengo Consulate and get my visa. Riley, I could go to Mr. Stevenson. No. I absolutely forbid it. I got myself into this, and I'm fixing it with my own face. Even if it is an ugly mess. What a mess. Oh, what a mess. This is one hole I'll never get out of. Who there, Riley? Who's that? He's I. Digby Odell, the friendly undertaker. <laughs> Greetings, Riley. You're looking fine. Very natural. Oh, hello, Tigger. What are you doing around here? Oh, I've been swimming at the public pool with my club, the U-E-P-L-S-S. U-E-P-L-S-S? Yes, the Undertakers, Farmers, and Fallbearers Life Saving Society. <laughs> In the summer, we save lives at the beach. It's a change from the usual routine. Say, a club like that does a lot of good. That's the basis of our motto. I quote, The good that you do unto people will come back to you in the end. <laughs> and so will the people. <laughs> but Riley, my friend, you seem troubled. Oh, Digger, it's terrible. I got a new job way down in the jungle in South America. Oh, why bury yourself in South America? I know lots of openings right here in town. Well, my company needs a man in the jungle. Ah, the jungle. A deadly cobra with fangs bared, ready to strike. A ferocious leopard with dripping jaws ready to pounce. A gigantic gorilla with hairy arms ready to crush. I adore those Tarzan pictures. <laughs> They're so gay. Riley, you better learn to speak Spanish. Well, Beth has been giving me some lessons. Buenos dias, that's good day. Hasta la visitor, that's see you around. <laughs> CC, that's okay. Arriba, that means down. And bajo, that means up. No, no, Riley. Arriba is up. Bajo is down. No, 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 you're wrong. Bajo is up. No, no, no. Bajo is down. Believe me, I know how to say down in seven languages. <laughs> Bajo is down. I always get those comics. Well, I gotta go get my visa now, way downtown. Like you say in Spanish, I gotta go Arriba town. Uh, no, no, I mean Bajo town. Bajo is down. Adios, amigo mio. I better be shoveling off. <laughs> Senor Riley, your passport and papers, they are all in order. And it is with pleasure I issue to you this visa. My countryman in Santo Moringo will show you every cut. Ah, si, si. Ah, 
speaks funny. Si, si, si. Perfect. In your language, Baho your country. <laughs> what? Baho your country. Huh? Adios. Baho Santo Maringo. Down with Santo Maringo. Garcia. Si, senor. You hear he say down with our country. The insult. Cancel it easy. Call Stevenson. Much better for the good neighbor policy, Senor Riley, stay home. All set, Pop. All your suitcases are in the taxi. Thanks, sir. Daddy, you forgot to put your sun helmet. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was sweet of the boys to give me this going-away present. Beautiful, ain't it? That's a very thoughtful inscription. Good luck and good health. All spelled out with malaria pills. <laughs> Riley, dear, getting late. The boat. Yeah, I, I'd better be gone. Riley, are you sure you don't want us to go to the dock with you? No. No, you stay here. It's much easier parking this way. Oh, uh, Pop, the taxi's waiting. Yeah. Well, goodbye, sweet wife. And, uh, listen, in, in, in case I don't come back. Oh, Riley, don't talk like that. You'll come back. Yeah, but just in case I don't, you're still young. You'll be lonely. You should have someone take my place, so go live with your mother. <laughs> be all right. We'll pray for you. So will I. <laughs> Goodbye, Betsy. Keep an eye on Junior. Junior, keep an eye on Bed. And when she's entertaining boyfriends in the living room, don't peek through the keyhole. I won't, Pa. In my closet, you'll find my homemade periscope that looks over the transom. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, dear. In six months, we'll be standing right here, waiting for you. Take care of yourself, something. And take care of our two little chicks. That's the law of nature. When the roots is away, it's up to the old hens. <laughs> well, goodbye now. Goodbye, goodbye uh, The door goodbye. won't look at me, and I won't look back. Mr. Stevenson, you come to see me off? See you off? You're not going. They've canceled your visa. Boss, you mean you ain't sending me? I'm sending Hawkins. Baho, your country. I ain't going for Oh, bless you, bless you. And like they say in Spanish, Baho is Mr. Stevenson. Hey, hey, hey. I've come home. Did you miss me? Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for